Oh, look, I think it goes back to making a decision to actively pursue change now. I think the market is definitely evolving quickly. And I think we've all got enough experience in change not to be as scared of it as we were and to um, make the change. And, and, and the quicker you do, the quicker you'll learn and improve. You're listening to Elevate, the official podcast of elite agent for real estate industry, sales professionals, property managers, and leaders. We bring you the best minds in business and real estate to help you list more, sell more, and elevate your results. To download your written action guide from this podcast containing extra tips, links, and shortcuts, visit EliteAgentElevate.com. Now, here is your host, Samantha McLean. Welcome to another episode of the Elevate podcast where we delve into some of the most interesting minds in business and in real estate for the very best tips and strategies for you to implement to elevate your business. I'm Samantha McLean, editor of Elite Agent and host of today's show. When we think about best practice in both starting a business or in optimising an existing business, there is plenty of material to draw upon. Today, we're going to dive into some of the practical advice and how you can apply it from some of the most classic books on the planet. Books like Good to Great from Jim Collins, The Lean Startup from Eric Rees, The Best Service is No Service from Bill Price and David Jaffe. And I'm going to be doing this with someone who is no stranger to starting and scaling businesses and that sorted services, CEO Andrew Duncan. Andrew has had a lengthy career in both the tech and real estate space and is all about providing service at scales, particularly when it comes to helping real estate businesses. So Andrew, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me, Samantha. It's great to have you and I'm looking forward to hearing a little bit more about Sorted today as well because Sorted is a relatively young business. You started in 2018, but you've actually been in and around the real estate industry for some time. So I have to ask the question that I ask a lot of people on this podcast, did you choose real estate or did real estate choose you? That's a very good question. I think um, we stumbled upon real estate in, in where I came from in the industry, which was more on the a broader services side in in, in uh, retail energy and, and retail electricity and gas. And from my early career in that space was was how I, I came across the, the real estate industry uh, via my first business, Connect Now. Connect Now has been around for a while and you're still here in real estate. So what is it about the real estate industry that you enjoy the most? Well, firstly, the people. I've met some great people in this this industry who I'd, I'd now call as lifelong friends and formed you know, great bonds with people over a long period of time. And the enthusiasm that the real estate industry has in, in its DNA, I've, I've really enjoyed being associated with these real estate professionals and learning from them and, and, and working with them and alongside them has been a, a real pleasure for me over the journey. And I, I really do enjoy it. So tell us a little bit about Sorted and what Sorted does. Yeah, Sorted is a, a, an end-to-end customer experience platform that allows uh, customers and agents to do things in a, in, a, in a different way and hopefully vastly improve that experience as to how we run our households and how we interact with property and property management. Uh, so it's, it, it, it looks after all segments of the market, leasing, landlords and, and homeowners and deals in, in the, the detail of the industry with, with property managers and sales agents. Sorted is quite an innovative product and takes quite a different approach to the business of connections and payments and other sorts of things. So how did you get to the point where you felt that there was really a need for something like Sorted in the property management sector? We'd sort of been working very, very closely, what I would say, at the, at the end of the process with, um, with the move home process. And we felt that that um, handoff that was was uh, the core of that service in terms of getting the, the customer um, engagement started 
was a, a little bit disjointed. And, and I think that as technologies evolved, we've had a bit of a passion that we'd like to see that become more connected. And it really starts with that as to how do we get more of a seamless uh, connection to, to our customers where we're providing them with an easier way of, of uh, doing things. And, and it started with that. And then it's worked through from there as to how you actually execute on getting that seamless connectivity to our customers and then building a platform that actually enables it. So that's where it started from. And then we've we've worked through the platform concept from there to um, make sure that it's as good as it can be at this stage. Where is Sorted now? Like what sort of things is Sorted able to do? We set off on the challenge by starting at the at the very start of the of I guess the engagement with um, tenants to begin with. So we've we've built the platform from end to end, from the tenant experience right through the lease sign up process, right through to the onboarding into the home, and that's where that seamless connectivity is where we started kicks in, and, and, and to enable and give people digital tools that allows them to sort themselves out very quickly and, and easily. And we've built that end-to-end -end platform and that's operating now and, and growing quickly. And we're, we're also enabling that digital customer experience for our clients, the real estate agents, and providing them with the platform, co-branding it with them, in some cases, white labeling, and, and getting that really moving into the market. That's where we're at now. Interesting. And so I guess you've built this, this product with the future in mind. Where do you see the industry in, in five years time? I'm probably not alone in thinking this, that there, there's huge change going through the industry now. And, and, and the, I think technology and also the customer experience expectations are coming together where what we're doing now will be very, very different to what we do in five and certainly 10 years time. I think it'll be, it'll be almost unrecognisable what tools you'll be able to use and, and how you'll be able to use them. So um, we're really excited about that, but I certainly see it as very different. I think that there'll be a hell of a lot more self-serve people will be able to do a lot more for, the, for themselves and do it more easily. And I also think working in the industry should be a whole lot more enjoyable too, because those that, that employee experience that's connected along the way with the customer experience is really important. And I, I, and I hope that we achieve and play a big part in, in, in making that transformation. What you were just talking about there, the relationship between happy customers and happy employees is actually what got us talking about some of your favourite business books, which also happen to be some of mine and some of the lessons that you've learned from them. And I know that real estate the, the real estate industry and real estate agents are great readers. So I thought we'd maybe dig into some of these books because there's some evergreen wisdom in there for, for everyone, whether you're an entrepreneur or whether you're in real estate or, or whatever. So I'm super excited about this. Sure, happy to, happy to go. Okay, the first book that we're going to break down a little bit is The Best Service is No Service by Bill Price and David Jaffe. So in a nutshell, if you haven't read this book, what's it all about? Look, I'd probably start by saying that this, this particular book is, is going to be very useful to somebody who's got an operating business that's got large or, or medium you know, size kind of customer volume that, and, you're, and you're grappling with how do you actually improve the operational performance of the business. And you, it, it's really the thing that most of us do when we've got, when we've got businesses, you know, real estate business that's got processes and operations day-to-day -day in their sales area. They're, they're trying to figure out how to, how to make a step change in property management and, and, and how do you go about that? And I think this book just poses some really interesting, I think, philosophies to begin with, and then some techniques to be able to break down what's really happening in your business and what you can do about it to make a, a more efficient business, a, a, a better business for your staff to work in, and then ultimately that uh, translates into better customer experience. So it's it's quite it's been around a while this book, Sam, but it's it's certainly I think that the the things that it talks about and the process it breaks down are very relevant now more so than ever. 
and some really good techniques in there. What do you think out of that book was your favourite thing that you took away and, and why was it so important to you? Well, I think the philosophy of the best service is no service needs to be sort of broken down uh, as a first step that, you know, a, a lot of our, of our uh, customers that don't wake up in the morning wanting to ring a telecommunications company or a water company or, a, or an energy company or, in fact, a property management company. They, they want to get up and get on and do what they do and enjoy their lives. And so often when we're, when we're needing to call up and do something, it's because something's gone wrong. So, and what the book does say is that if you've got processes that can look after people where they don't actually need service, that's the best outcome. And I think that that philosophy is something that a lot of us um, sometimes forget. When you're deep, deep inside a business, you can sometimes forget what you're actually doing and it get, you get on a routine and you're taught yourself how to do things and all of a sudden you're just doing things. And I think what it did for me was stop and say, actually, which of these services that I'm performing could I eliminate for the betterment of the customer, but also for my staff and for my business? And that philosophy in itself is a really good one to stop and think and challenge yourself and challenge your, your people to try to take out the need for some of that service. And I really like that philosophy because it shows a bit of empathy back to the customer that they don't actually really want to talk to us about a lot of things. But you, when they do want to talk to us, it, it does talk about high quality interactions where if, if we've got high quality interactions, they're calling because they're wanting something that's positive in their lives. They might be wanting to purchase something. They might want to upgrade something. They might want advice. So they're good contacts versus the ones that are costly and kind of come from a negative starting point. How do you eliminate those and focus more on the high quality interactions? And I really like that framework. And, and it's something that I've really embraced in, in how we've run our operations and how we go about operations in, in the various businesses that I've run. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I really like the title because what you're saying there is that I think some people get bent out of shape saying, oh, I need to fix my customer service or something like that. And then maybe fixing the customer service is not the answer. Maybe it's creating an environment where there's no need for customer service. Absolutely. And if you look at the, you know, what with, with all this, the, the transactions and services that you're performing, if you just dissect what percentage of them are in each category, you can then start to work out which ones you should be attacking and which ones you should be leaving alone and which ones you should be wanting more of. And you can start to help your staff eliminate some of the root causes. And it's all about how do you get rid of the root cause problems that are causing people to need to call you in the first place or to interact with you where they're not positive interactions. And, it, and it's challenging and sometimes it, it does take a step back to then be able to go through that process. But uh, we, it can be very effective if you, if you can get that balance right. And, and that's why I like the book. You probably need to be really keen and, and, and involved in operations to enjoy reading it. I certainly do as long as you know what it's leading to because there's a few little pages in there that might be a bit uh, a little bit bland. But overall, I think that the, the messaging and the techniques are really powerful. Yeah, well, I've often said that service is the new marketing, so I think it's it's it, the scope is definitely beyond operations. I think marketing people should read it too. It's the same sort of framework, and but they're merging together now anyway. I mean, part of it uh, we we're all aware is that those those interactions are very very positive, and in in a lot of cases, a revenue producing interactions if you get them right. So you're turning one situation into into another, and that's what it's all about, and 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 that's why I like it. Yeah, so I'm sure that this philosophy was absorbed into the development of Sorted somehow. Can you tell me a little bit about how you've thought about reducing the need for service in, in your product? 
Well, we do it every day, actually. It's, it's a constant flow back and forth through that customer experience and journey as to really challenging ourselves on how do we eliminate the need for a customer to need help? How do you, first of all, take out the need for the help? How can we improve our communications where things are simpler, things are more easily done by the customer? And you're just continually moving through and back and forth on trying to remove any of those needs for that interaction. Because um, it, 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 And it's having that empathy and putting yourself in the customer's shoes as to how things work, as to, as to whether you've got it right. And what I would say is we're a relatively new business. Um, we've swept through and, and are polishing our, our processes and comms you know, every other week, it, it, it never stops. We, we also have a long way to go, but we think that that's, it's certainly on the right track with that underlying uh, philosophy of eliminating the need for people to have to contact us. Yeah, for the wrong reasons. Yeah, for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Yeah. You. Yeah. We still want them contacting us for the right reasons. Correct. Thank you for that. Yeah. yeah absolutely. We're going to leave some um, links in the show notes for all of these books, but I'll just give you guys the name of the book again. It's "The Best Service Is No Service" by Bill Price and David Jaffe, and I'm sure all of these are probably available on Amazon and Kindle and all of that sort of thing. But yeah, we'll leave links in the show notes. The next one that I want to take up with you, Andrew, is "The Lean Startup" by Eric Rees, and 2020, I feel was the year of the word pivot. Mm. But I think Eric Eric Rees probably was the godfather of the pivot, wasn't he, in his book, The Lean Startup. So for people that may not have read the book, what's that one about? Okay, so this one is uh, in the category of, I think, of, of um, person in business who would best pick this book up at the moment is, is if you're starting a new business, you're contemplating starting a new business, you're involved with a group who might be starting a new business, uh, or you're trying to start a new division even. I, I reread it not long ago and I was really glad that I did. As I was reading it, there were things that it reminded me of that I needed to check in on how we're going about doing certain things and, and it was really good timing and it's probably the third time I've read it. And and what, what it reminds me of is that how do you do things as efficiently as possible? We, we, we haven't got unlimited resources. We haven't got unlimited time. So I think the, the main core of it for me out of this book is that how do you do things, test and learn and do things in a very effective, smart way, rather than doing them in a more serial sort of we'll get there kind of approach. And, and, and I think that that's really important to learn quickly so that you can then adapt and listen to your customers as to what you end up with rather than uh, it does challenge the entrepreneurial mindset that you kind of have a passion and know what people want. That's kind of true, but you also need to listen to the market, listen to your customers. And that's what I really got out of the book. And what I do, you know, like when I reread it is to check my processes and out, out the way we're going about our development cycles. I really love the way that he talked about the iterative process, like put something out there that's like an MVP, not most valuable person, but minimum viable product and test to see if, if there's a market for it. And then develop it some more and then test it some more. Um, what was your favourite thing that you took away from from the book? I think that it's certainly the test and learn and and, and um, doing things faster. And I, I happened to stumble upon a, 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 another book, which was quoting Eric, and he was running a um, workshop with a group of people at GE. And, and they were trying to work out how to build an aeroplane engine as quickly as possible and had a room full of engineers who know a lot more about it than him. And just taking through the process of, the room started with 30 people saying it's impossible to do it in the time period they had. And they eventually worked through the, this process and, and they ended up getting a prototype out there in, in underneath the target time. And it was only because someone in the room actually embraced what he was doing. And they had a, already in GE, they had a, an engine that wasn't deployed. 
that was able to be used wasn't quite exactly what they needed, but it, it tested the model out and no one knew it was there. So it's just an example of when we're thinking about how to do something, there's generally numerous ways of getting there. And what I like about it is it challenges us to get there quicker and do it better. So that, and, and it's a technique that I think that you, you can learn and, and bring things to, to, to the market much more effectively. This is where I think sometimes we all fall into the trap of thinking, well, we've done it this way, this is the easiest way to do it, when often bringing some new thinking in or someone from outside the industry or something something like that can look at the engine, let's say, with a, a fresh eyes and say, well, hang on a second, why don't you do it this way? Absolutely, and, and the way that was described is, is, is there was sort of 29 to 1, which was, and Eric was the one, and then when they heard that this other engine was there, it, it all of a sudden turned into a positive process of, of how we actually deliver on it. And then the, the energies changed to uh, actually executing rather than being negative. And then the project went off and, and actually achieved its goal, which I found it's just a really good reminder in everything we do every day as to, as to how you go about it. When you're trying to create new things or you're trying to create new ways of doing things is to, is to use some of that process to, to work with your teams to get a better outcome. I'm guessing, once again, in the development of Sorted, you've actually developed it a little bit and then gone out and tested it and then developed it again. What sort of feedback from property managers and real estate agents has been really useful in that? Look, we couldn't have built Sorted without the involvement of of our you know of the industry of our key clients and to be listening to them so we test and learn the entire time it's a non-stop um, process and we do what we call continuous um, deployment as a result of that which was also a, a lean startup uh, philosophy so that continuous improvement and continuous deployment is now a way of building and de- delivering software but we listen to our clients and and work with them really really closely to the point of workshops we, we we're in there checking things where we're, we're not doing certain things because they've they've given us sort of insights that we wouldn't have had so i think being an enabling industry is really important because you know it's it, it's quite easy to think you know how to do it better from you know, outside the industry but there's nothing like actually knowing the detail and and working with our partners in industry to create uh, a, a far better model that does sometimes require us to say no to 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 our our partners and our clients, because we've got a different insight from other industries, which, which they might not have. So it's not always a, a case of agreeing. It's a good balance of and tension between agreeing and, and showing a different way to get that mix right of how we then build it out. And we're on a path with that. We're probably, you know, four iterations through our flow as to how we're improving the product, probably four, in some cases, five iterations of, of improvement because of that food feedback loop and we that won't stop. So our product today will be very different to our product in 18 months and two years and that's that's exactly how it should be. Let's relate that back to being in real estate for a moment. Like if you could put a real estate principles hat on for one second, how would you go through this lean thinking in your own business? What are the, some of the areas that you would have a look at? A good example at the moment for people to relate to is, is COVID. If, if COVID hadn't have happened, how many real estate principals would have been prepared to take some of the processes that we used to use as a must-have and challenge them to say, we don't have to do that. And if you look at what's come out of the cycle and some of the, some of the practice that have, that have changed and improved for the better, and if you take those as an example and say, well, why couldn't we have done that without the urgency of a crisis? And, it, and for real estate, I think this is very, very good exercise. As you say, we, we have succeeded 
and uh, talking about the real estate market, in quickly adapting and changing. But without the crisis, there is no way that some of these processes would have been changed as they have been. And, and for example, and some of it is tied up in, in legislation as well, I understand, but there, there are practices that make a hell of a lot more sense now than they did prior to COVID. And some people will want to go back to them, whereas others will say, well, we're never doing that again, so we're going to move forward. But I think there is a cycle of change that people are more used to. They're more prepared to take risks in, in, in a lot of ways as well because they've taken these risks and it's been okay. Whereas prior to that, I think there was more steady as you go, slow incremental improvement phase we're in. And I think we've, we've, we've leapfrogged five years at least in smashing down some of those barriers because we had to. And I think that that's a really good example from a real estate point of view. But where could we take it again? If we had a different sort of crisis or we needed to change for certain reasons, what else could we be doing more efficiently than we do now? And I think that there's, I think the industry is, is, is now equipped for that sort of change, whereas I don't think it was pre-COVID. It was, it was very slow. So that's probably an example. And using the philosophies around the lean startup would be trying to do things at a very, very small pilot um, way to test that everything's going to be okay. And then learning from that, uh, changing or stopping. Stopping's okay too. If you trial something and it's not working, you can stop it. But you trial small things that can have a big impact. And then when you've trialled them, you can roll them out. And I think that if you've got that understanding, the, the opportunities are, are enormous for real estate principals to, to be using that. I think so too. And it's, it's interesting what you raise about COVID because I, I think one of those things that I heard of was that basically we were getting tenants to perform some of their inspection with video. And I can remember having that exact discussion with someone before we were all locked down last year, which is we'll never be able to get tenants to, to do some of their routines. And then that's exactly what happened during COVID. And I think it's probably good advice there to maybe even think about if you didn't have this element of your business or if you didn't have this element, then how would you continue doing business? And I think the crisis gave us no choice. Therefore, we have to act. But we've had the experience of acting. And with the experience of acting, what else could we be doing? And I think that that's where, without giving specific examples to principals, they know where their efficiencies would be if they could do things differently. And giving it a trial on a scale that means there's no huge brand risk or disasters or huge spend to try things out. And that's what this is all about. There's another little great book out there called Little Bets. We might have to, we might have to pull that one apart in another episode, but I think that's what you're talking about. Absolutely. That yeah. it is, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that, that book again is The Lean Startup by Eric Rees and we'll leave a link to, to that in the show notes as well. Um, I think I've left my favourite to last. I'm not going to say the best to last because these are all sort of uh, amazing learning experiences, but Good to Great by Jim Collins. I know this one's one of your favourites. And well, I was going to say, if you haven't read this book, what's it all about? like if you've been living under a rock and haven't read it, but I only read it myself a year ago, but I say it's never too, uh, it's never too late for a bit of Jim Collins. Again, if you sort of look at the, the everybody, this is relevant to everybody, I think, uh, this particular book, but it, it does have different things for, for depending on where you're at in your career and where you're at in the industry. I think that it talks about a range of different things as to what makes up success, but I think one of the key things that stands that stood out for me when I first read it was was the leadership type and the leadership um, styles of different of different companies of who succeeded and who didn't over over the period of the of the of the research that Jim um, bases his book on, and I think that it really struck me that 
it, it wasn't always the type A uh, celebrity type um, CEO. When that book first came out, we used to hear a lot from those types of CEOs. And Jim's book was the first to sort of challenge, is that actually uh, sustainable and is that is that the right model? And I think there's a really interesting, there's some interesting uh, data and literature in there around leadership type, which I think a lot of people in the real estate industry would really relate to. Um, and I think it also goes into leadership and, and leadership style. So I think that's good. But the, the real gem for me has always been that hedgehog principle. And I think that finding the right mix of things within your business that allows you to scale and to scale with the right economic engine is, um, for me, is just, you know, been very, very useful and, and something that I, I always attach to. You've got to have the, I think, the elements of the hedgehog principle all lined up, but when you do find it, it can be a really powerful phase for you to grab a hold of and, and not once you've got that, and I'll explain in a minute, but the, the, the dimensions of that hedgehog principle right, you've really got to put your head down and make sure you're not distracted and just go for it. So I think that was what I lucked upon when I first read it, and it certainly ha has helped me in, in various businesses. Yeah, I think I see that out in different real estate businesses, particularly in in marketing more than anything, like when people actually niche themselves really well and find a space that they can only own, whether it's some sort of specialist in property management or whether it's I specialise in apartments or family homes or duplexes. I mean, Josh Teslin, he's he's like the duplex guy. He's made his whole career on that. And I think that's what you're talking about there with the hedgehog principle, isn't it? It's find something you're really good at and then continue to double down on that so that it becomes easier and easier to scale. Absolutely. But I also think that to be realistic on, on for, for business owners and founders, whether that's a startup, whether it's any business, is that it's being aware and, and, and attuned to where the right elements are coming together. So a, as you start to get some traction, it's being attuned to that so that you can then figure out what is it that's getting the traction because you can then, as you say, double down on that and really get a hold of that opportunity because we often only get you know, one chance to take that, that take those opportunities and it's being attuned to it and understanding what elements are coming together, which I really liked. And, and I, I think that we often in business start off quite broad. And then as we learn what we're, what, what we at our company and our people are, are best at, you, you can narrow in and really then go hard at it. I was at Eric on the weekend too, and it seemed like a lot of people were using the A380 analogy, you know, the one where if you're flying a plane, most of the fuel is used in the takeoff, and then once you get to a cruising altitude, it all becomes much easier. And I think that's a great metaphor for Jim Collins's flywheel. But I think the trick is to put the bumpers up and really just don't get distracted by the shiny objects and keep doing what you're good at. Correct. As you start to find that traction, I think that the, the elements of these books do come together a little bit there is that the lean startup points to if, the, if there are things in, in, in your world that aren't working, you've got to, you've got to be tuned to those and manoeuvre them to where things are starting to work. So I think being realistic in, and, and having a, a sort of a real honest approach to what you're doing day to day is, allows you to then adjust where you need to. Likewise, when things start to shift and you're getting the momentum, then you're really doubling down on some of, on, on those aspects to drive your growth. So let me ask you again, with Jim Collins' flywheel in mind, how does Sorted help a real estate business get that traction with customers? Yeah, sure. Look, look, what we've recognised, and I think that it would be fairly well supported, I think, in the industry, is that it is a fragmented market and it's really, really hard to get the level of investment and expertise together in even some of the larger companies who are good at real estate 
how do you actually then get the technology and the customer experience and all the, all the, the broader elements you need together in a fragmented market? And what we are trying to do at Sorted is to get that platform really right so that the industry can work as partners with us to attach to that and we can continually improve it where that customer experience that we're all looking for, and I hear the industry talking a lot about it, it's, it's extremely attuned to the need, is that that customer experience can then be deployed in a manner that we see in, in other industries that we're all using each and every day. And I think that that's the combination that Sorted would like to have with the industry to be an enabler and get that customer experience to that A plus grade level where we're doing a really good job for our customers. And that's what we're building and, and that's what we're striving for. But we're, we're doing it in a real partnering way, which hopefully gives operational efficiencies to the industry, allows the industry to then sell in a relevant way, a broader range of services that make sense to their customers and hopefully make happy customers and profitable businesses. I'm seeing a definite scale angle here too, because as we started in the very beginning with the best services, no service, if you kind of eliminate the need for service, that allows you to put more effort into the sales side of the business. And, and that's much much easier way to get the A380 to fly. You're spot on with that. And I think it's enabling that across the board where each, each of the businesses doesn't have to try and invest the millions of dollars that are you know, a, a digital platform and customer experience outcome requires and, and the continual improvement of that. We've got a partner to do that. And I think that that's been embraced by a lot of our, our clients to date. And we're looking forward to making it better and better so that, that our own flywheel in that regard allows us to invest more and more where the, the industry is able to then participate and get those metrics, get those metrics where I think everybody wants them. With all these growth lessons in mind, because we've been through quite a few of them in these three books, what's your growth plan for the next year? What What's your priorities now? So our priorities are keep improving that customer experience and, and really honing that. So we've got teams set up for improving the base, which I call the, the end-to-end customer experience. And what we're doing is, is working really hard on um, improving that uh, the customer experience in the marketplace. So getting services there that customers really want and, and make it easily available to customers. So we're working really hard on that marketplace. We, we launched that marketplace um, about two years ago now with some core services. And we're probably, I think we're the first proper digital marketplace out there in the real estate space. So what we're doing now is doubling down on making sure that marketplace is A grade and that we participate with our clients where they're adding their own services to the marketplace. So we're in that collaboration phase of improving the marketplace and, and getting our own growth you know, really going from there. So can you just tell me a little bit about what businesses are in the digital marketplace? So we cover the, the core home services. So we look after a range of, we've got electricity uh, and a range of supplies there. We've got gas, we've got broadband. We look after insurances. We look after removals. We look after trades and maintenance. So that's all in one spot. And we're building out from there. We've got a range of, uh, of new services that we're adding and we're continually adding them, but we're testing and learning and then seeing if people want them and then keep adding. So that's that's a specific example of, of that. So we're doing some test and learn on various options at the moment. And then we're asking our partners to add their partners to the marketplace. So if they've got a landlord insurance product or whatever they might have, which then allows them to take to market a, a, a digital marketplace that's fully compliant, all this data security and all the level of, of, of um, regulations required taken care of for our partners. It sounds fantastic and I can't wait to see what happens with the rollout. It, it sounds like it's going to be an amazing little marketplace. Well, not a little marketplace, it's going to be a damn big marketplace by the sounds of it. 
Yeah, look, it, it, it will evolve, Sam, and I think that if we just see which which services customers want the most, and we will, um, you know, go from there. But we're pretty excited about our marketplace and um, looking forward to uh, improving it over the next uh, twelve months and, and growing. That's what we're trying to do. Well, Andrew, it's been fantastic talking to you this afternoon and also sort of taking a bit of a journey through some of these books and I hope it's been helpful to you guys listening. It's three less books that you've got to read, but you've just got all the wisdom in less than 30 minutes. So thank you very much for that, Andrew. And thank you also for sharing your knowledge on Sorted today. It's been super interesting to have a a listen to how that product's being developed and what the future for that is. So I always end by asking one question, which is if you would like to leave the audience with one thought or, or one action point from listening to all of this, what would it be? Oh, look, I think it goes back to making a decision to actively pursue change now. I think the market is definitely uh, evolving quickly. And I think we've all uh, got enough experience in change not to be as scared of it as we were and to um, make the change. And, and, and the quicker you do, the quicker you'll learn and improve. And I think it's, it would probably be that to now is the time. You know, customer experience is, is not something people are, are, are unaware of. So I think now is the time to, to really make the change and, and, and to get started. And um, hopefully we could help with that journey. That is a really good point. Andrew Duncan, thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Samantha. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Elevate from Elite Agent. To download your written action guide from this podcast containing extra tips, links and shortcuts, visit EliteAgentElevate.com.